Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. and welcome to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. Uh, and we already got a lively little chat room right now. What's up, Mixmaster Joey Image and I am the Rampage. And Joey says, uh, check out that new addition to the wall behind me. And if you'll look right up here, I have a uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, looks like a little, uh, almost like a like a bus or a... Like a little van, the Super Mario Brothers 3 oh, van. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, Joey that's sent really that to cool. me. I got it in the mail yesterday. So thank you, Mr. Image, for that. Yeah. A little new addition awesome. to the wall. So it's been a few weeks since we've been here for a, for a live episode. It feels, uh, wow, it feels like it's been forever. <laughs> yeah, we were talking before we, we went live. I thought to myself, well, I remembered how to hit the accept call button. Yeah. So we're off to a good start, so... I think you know we'll we'll shake the rust off, but no, it's been it's been cool though to do a couple of you know non traditional episodes like we did the Ninja Turtles roundtable last week, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the Street Fighter commentary, which those are always fun to do. But <laughs> good to good to be back in the saddle for a uh, traditional Nerd Cave retro. Oh yeah. So uh, what you been doing the last couple of weeks? I've actually been really busy with work. We're kind of transitioning back into I guess as close to what normal can be right now where next week everyone's going back into the office. I think we're probably going to scale down on the events that we've been doing. Cause we've been doing, you know, like bingo and game show nights uh, every week. In addition to trivia that I've been hosting, we've been doing movie nights on Saturdays, but I, those are starting to get scaled back now. So yeah. I think by I'd say the end of October, we'll probably be doing maybe one, two events a month and then kind of prepping for you know the uncertainty still of what could be the 2021 <laughs> baseball season at least for us because yeah. we don't even have a schedule yet well it's the slow uh uh ascent back to somewhat normalcy i guess so yeah we'll see yeah i, w- I would say so yeah but other than that been um got some cool things in the works um for my show i've been you know started the patreon a couple of weeks ago and that's been pretty successful so far and got some cool guests lined up over the next couple of weeks and hope to do uh kind of what we've been doing here on this show where we've been doing um you know like halloween horror month where we review horror themed games i might try and do like horror themed episodes throughout october on my show as well so Got that to look forward to. Yeah. Um, Before I forget, I want to tell everybody about a new podcast I've been listening to, and it's by um, Sawilo Films, who was the uh, the production team that did Monsters Anonymous. And um, it it stars Brent Henry, who was the Wolfman in Monsters Anonymous and was also like uh, pretty much the head of our production team, putting everything together for Monsters Anonymous. 
and it's called Astro Trash. It's a six-episode sci-fi comedy podcast, and uh, it's a scripted podcast. So, and it's very, very well made, high production. Um, I just go listen to the first episode and see if it's up up your alley type of uh, you know, if it's something you'd be into. I love it. I think it's great. And uh, we're gonna have Brent on the Open Micers podcast at the end of September. So. Go check that out. It's Astro Trash Podcast and uh, astro-trash.com. It's really good. I will check that out. Uh, Another thing, if anybody got to see, I I was a part of the RGB High Score Tournament last week. And uh, the last couple of weeks of my life have been spent uh, speedrunning Ninja Gaiden. (laughs) And uh, I ended up in eighth place overall with a 22-22 uh, personal best time and um, I actually got robbed if you go watch my entire stream which you don't have to it's two hours that I did Friday night for the tournament um, one of my runs the ones I did after the twenty two twenty two, I was robbed of a 17 minute run <laughs> I could have been in like fourth place but I was robbed that game was actively against me the entire night um, there was what twenty five people, I think, in the tournament, um, and it was uh, it was like two to three people a night, and then I think there were four people on Saturday and five on Sunday. So it was a complete entire week of uh, Ninja Gaiden for the RGB high score, and I want to keep doing it as much as that game gave me nightmares for two straight weeks. I think I can pull off being a part of the. Uh, the um, knockout tournament next year with uh, with Arcus, who was the world record speedrunner for Ninja Gaiden. I want to at least, if I can end in the top five of those guys with uh, retro the Retro Runner, um, Beer Full of Belly, Arcus, those guys uh, and gals. Um, there, yes, there are women Ninja Gaiden speedrunners who are very very good, and um, go. Ch- check all those people out on Twitch. They're crazy good. But if I can end up in the top five of those, I'll know that I'm uh, in in the top tier players in the world. And I think I can get there. I think I'm good enough to get there. It's been really cool to see because I remember watching you beat that game for the first time <laughs> a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And now you're placing in the top ten of speed runs. So that's that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks, man. It was uh, It was definitely... Hard fought to get to that 22-minute mark. I'm sure. But still, like, you know, we were talking before, placing in the top 10 of anything, especially something like that, is wherever you place is impressive. Yeah. So that's awesome. I wish I could have kept that number six spot, but, <laughs> yeah, I got knocked down to eight. But yeah, Mixmaster says I need to speed run Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is the plan. I have been trying to get uh good enough at that game i can start speed running it because the key to speed run, running is just memorization knowing where everything's going to be who, what enemies you can avoid um wh- what power-ups you need to get what power-ups drop where i mean that's the key to speed running so once i get ninja gaiden ninja turtles and batman once i can get those games memorized the, i'm going to be very very heavily on speed running those three games I would love to watch you do a speed run for TMNT. Oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I mean, that game is not easy. The cool thing about Ninja Gaiden is it's pretty predictable. 
it's just it's stupid hard and then that and the hard thing about ninja turtles is that game um isn't the same every time you play it so it's harder to speed run Mm-hmm. But I love that game so much. I just want to be able to speed run it at this point. If I can just get past the room. The room! Dan you the room! Ah, uh, the room. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know about you. It's been a while since we've done some news. What do you say we move into that now? Sure. From NintendoLife.com. Uh, believe the hype, Polymega is the ultimate all-in-one retro machine. Um, originally announced back in 2017 as the Retroblox, Polymega has endured a fairly tumultuous journey to market. Um, the system's objective has always been the same, to offer players the chance to access software for a wide range of cartridge and CD-based retro game consoles in one place. Um, let's see... Um this is a long article. I'm just trying to get the 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 basics of it. Um, let's see, hold on. This is a huge article. Trying to um, yeah, holy let's crap. see. Uh, the base Polymega system four is three hundred ninety nine dollars. Comes with a CD drive and will play Sega Saturn, Sony PlayStation, Sega Mega CD, Neo Geo CD, and PC Engine Turbo Graphics sixteen games from uh, CD games from all regions. Cartridge-based platforms, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Mega Drive, 32X, and PC Engine, um, TurboGrafx-16 will be playable using an optional element module, each of which has to be per- purchased separately at a cost of $79.99 and come with their own custom controllers based on the pads used in the original machines. The element modules also house controller ports for their respective systems, so you can use original tr- controllers if you have them in hand. Output is uh, HDMI um, and pushes a nice, crisp 1080p signal to your HD television. Uh, it has a 9-gigabyte pre-installed database, which has cover art, text descriptions, and screenshots for thousands of supported games all across the systems. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to read here. Um, let's see if I can find it. Uh, I know it because it said something about Wi-Fi, and I'm trying to find it in the article here. Um, let's see, sports a wide range of wired and 2.4 gigahertz pads. Um, let's see. God, this is such a large article. I know I read it here somewhere, <laughs> but it's definitely Wi-Fi capable. Um, I, I can't find it, but it, it does, uh, like I said, it is Wi-Fi capable. This thing is like, I, I read this article and like, man, this thing is just such a badass when it comes to. Um, retro games. I mean, I don't know if I if I could justify dropping four hundred dollars for this thing, but if you are interested and if you want to get into retro gaming and you don't like, because I've paid way more than this on just old consoles and games and stuff like that, you would do well to just get this and build from there and. um because you're going to be able to play it on HD televisions. You pretty much play anything you want on it that's retro. I mean, the Sega, all the Sega CD stuff, you know, even like TurboGrafx-16 stuff. I mean, this thing plays everything. So why would you not? If you were interested in getting into retro gaming, this is probably the thing you want to get. 
Yeah, I would agree. And the more you talk about this, I vaguely remember us discussing it when it was the retro blocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that that name sounds very familiar. But it would be something, you have $400 is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. If you think about just the amount of stuff that you can do, Mm -hmm. I personally think it's worth it. I don't know that I will personally get one. But if someone gets it and they're a diehard retro gaming fan... Like I wouldn't knock them for it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I would just actually be like, sheer, "Can I see it? Can I play it?" <laughs> yeah, just the sheer amount of stuff you can do with it, I think justifies the price tag. As you look at, you know, and you think back to just the stuff that you just listed, mm-hmm. I think it's worth it. And I think too, if you're also if you're a, a, a heavy streamer, this is something you'd want to get too. Like this is a perfect. Oh, this is the perfect uh, console for a streamer. To be able to play everything in 1080, uh, everything from NES all the way up to you know PlayStation and Sega Saturn, like it's just this. It's a no-brainer if if that's what you want to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no, this would be perfect for streaming. Mm-hmm. And it looks nice too. Like I really like the look of this thing. It's got a, a modern but still sort of retro look to it. It's weird. I'm a big fan of very clean looking mm-hmm. technology. And this is like it, it has a little bit of a, a pattern, you know, across the side of it where it says Polymega. But other than that, it's just simple black looking system. You know what it looks like so. to me if the original Xbox was made in the 80s? That's yes. what it looks like to me. But with a much better controller. Yeah, much, much better. <laughs> Not one that's like the size of my head. Yeah, canned ham. That's what me and Wally <laughs> used to call it, the canned ham. The canned <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Let's see. Our next story comes to us from TheVerge.com. Nintendo reportedly releasing upgraded Switch next year. Nintendo is planning to release an upgraded version of its popular Switch game console next year, according to reports in Taiwan's Economic Daily News and Bloomberg. The new model will come out in early 2021, according to the Economic Daily News, which cited supply chain sources. This could be the first serious performance upgrade to the Switch since its release in March of 2017. Bloomberg says Nintendo has looked into including more uh, computing power and 4K high-definition graphics. While the Economic Daily News mentions improved visuals, Nintendo did release two new Switch models last year, but they used a more power-efficient version of the original hardware to enable a smaller form factor and better battery life without notable performance improvements. So what do you think? you think Nintendo is due for a upgraded Switch? Um, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm still completely happy with my original Switch. I don't have any reason to go and, and buy a newer model, but I think if you haven't, you know, if you've worn your Switch out <laughs> and uh, need more space or, you know, uh, I, I don't know, if it maybe uh, you don't, uh, you, I don't know. Like, if you don't have a Switch yet and you haven't pulled the trigger on, like, a Mini or something like that, um, not the Mini, but what do they call it? The light, Switch light. Yeah. I would think, you know, I would wait for this to come out because it's probably going to be roughly the same price as the switch when it first came out. But I mean, we're far enough into the console cycle now that I think Nintendo's probably going to 
come out with a new console within the next what say by I'd say by 2023 they're probably going to have a new console probably announce it in early 2022 maybe so it's we're not that, would, that far off from a new console that would put the switch life cycle at about 6 years which yeah. you know 5 or 6 years is about right some have gone a little bit longer, but I remember back in the day it was like a solid five years. Yeah. Because I remember the GameCube came out in 2001, and I think 2006 was when the Wii came out. Mm-hmm. And then it might have been 96 when the 64 came out. Yep. Don't quote me on that, but it, it's, it was like 95, 96. Yeah, I and mean, we're well over. Was, I would say right now we're well over the halfway point for the life of the Switch at this point. And there's still, and the article mentions too, that there's other, you know, big titles that are still, you know, in the wings, you know, with mm-hmm. the Breath of the Wild sequel, if Metroid ever happens, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, since they just put out that that press release that they need a, uh, uh, what were they looking for? A uh, team leader, project leader to get it back yeah, like on track pro- like project manager something I'm like, like that. Oh, we're still a good 2 years away at least. I mean, who knows it might be at that point the last or one of the last big games for the Switch. Joanne said he saw a dude in Scotland on Twitter selling a complete inbox version of the Panasonic GameCube Q. That's weird. <laughs> That's that sounds so familiar. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. But no, that sounds familiar. Uh, also from NintendoLife.com, another Sega double pack for the Nintendo Switch has been spotted online. Um, hasn't been f- officially confirmed by Sega. Amazon has now seemingly revealed the double pack box art um, for Super Monkey Ball, uh, Banana Blitz HD, and Sonic Forces. Um Spotted by Tails Channel, Gamefly has a has a listing on Sonic Forces and a Super Monkey Ball HD double pack. Um, let's see. Uh, seeing the release date, it said the release date was the thirty first of October. Um, Gamefly has a relatively good track record when it comes to Nintendo Switch listings. It revealed Titan Quest and Mutant Year Zero uh, were both on their way to the system ahead of any official announcements. So, what do you think about um, the two-pack Super Monkey Ball and Sonic Forces? I, I, I don't remember what, how you felt about Sonic Forces. So, from what little I've seen of it, I've never actually played the game. I heard very, very mixed things. But that's kind of the M.O. of the modern 2D, 3D hybrid Sonic games. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea to pack it in with another game because I, I know there are people who like Super Monkey Ball. I've played, I played that series briefly, and I don't dislike it. I just never really gotten yeah. into it. I personally probably won't get it, but I don't think it's a terrible idea to package the two games together because I I remember Sonic Forces critically was not very well received. That's the one where you can create your own character. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. You play as your own character along with Sonic. Hmm. So, I never played it. I, I know a lot of people uh, have a lot of nostalgia for Super Monkey Ball. Mm-hmm. 
So that might be something people will jump on. And yeah. uh, Joey Image said that it was the GameCube Panasonic DVD player combo unit. Super expensive and wasn't around long. That's I, like right. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I ever saw one. I remember reading about it, but I never really saw one, you know, in action. Yeah, I didn't either. This next story is right up your alley, though. <laughs> next story. I figured you'd like this. Puma, oh, this is from NintendoLife.com. Puma looks ready to pounce on Super Mario's 35th anniversary with some Nintendo-branded sneakers. Now, I will say I have not read this yet, <laughs> so you're going to get my like immediate reaction. Yeah, in I, recent I, years, we've seen sportswear giant Puma getting in on the Vigia game action. I love that they put that <laughs> word. With various crossovers, a couple of years back, there was a line of Sonic-styled sneakers, and last year, the company teamed up with the Tetris company for a fetching line of Tetris-based footwear. More comfortable than you might imagine given that particular crossover. Now it seems that Puma and Nintendo are getting together for a similar Mario crossover, no doubt as a tie-in for the plumber's upcoming 35th anniversary. As reported by Press Start, a pair of Super Mario sneakers, or trainers as we say around these parts, appeared on Foot Locker's website. The product page has since been taken down, but not before the internet got a good look at the red and blue footwear. Let me click on yeah, this let link Let me take here. a look at these. Ah, oh, the tweet is unavailable. Oh, boo. Boo. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I would love to see what they look like. I'll, I'll say this. like I've never really owned, I, not never really, I've never owned Puma shoes. Oh, I a did when I was a kid. That's all I had was Pumas. That's all we could afford. Pumas were the cheap shoes when I was a kid. Those were, that was the Kmart brand when I was a kid. I'm, I'm not... I'm not knocking Puma at all. Like I, I've just never, never owned a pair. Yeah, they should have made the legit Sonic sneakers from the movie. Oh yeah, I would have bought a pair in a heartbeat. <laughs> you know what? I that hope would have these... been a dangerous purchase because I likely would have like just taken a glance at the price tag. Like, nope, gotta have them. I um. I hope these look a lot better than those Nintendo 64 shoes that, that got put out a while back. Those were not great looking. I mean, they uh, they were okay, but you couldn't tell that they were Nintendo 64 sneakers. Like, they had the colors, but they weren't really... I don't know, they didn't scream Nintendo 64, you know? It was kind of, eh. All right. You want to know something I've noticed? That the Super Nintendo... So, like, Nintendo's released certain merchandise over the years. I mean, they've gotten a lot better about it. The Super Nintendo-based merchandise is some of the ugliest-looking merchandise I've ever seen. <laughs> so, like, I was in... I don't know if you've ever been in the store called Box Lunch. Mm -mm. So it's like a nerd pop culture store. We have one here in our mall. And they have a little Nintendo section. That's where I got that Majora's Mask Hawaiian shirt that I, I posted oh, yeah, in yeah. The, the Discord a couple of weeks ago. They had this long sleeve <laughs> Super Nintendo shirt. You know, like that ugly, like kind of light gray that the console is? That the mm -hmm. shirt was that color and just said Super Nintendo down one of the sleeves. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> who, who printed that and said it was a good idea? <laughs> I was laughing because Joey Image put in the chat room I'd buy Sonic shoes even if they were like $2,000 if they make you run as fast as Sonic. I would too. I sir. would too. I got two grand ready to go for some super powered shoes. Man, 
seriously, like if Puma had made those shoes, <laughs> I would have bought them in a heartbeat, and they, I would wear them every day. You know, I think if they had known that Sonic was going to be as big as it was, they would have. But that was that was a gamble, you know. Well, I think they could do it for when the sequel comes out oh, yeah. in a couple of years. If they don't, that's a missed opportunity. Absolutely. And for our last story, we save the best for last. The Mandalorian Season 2 release date revealed. This came on IGN.com. Uh, second season will officially be released on Disney Plus on October 30th, 2020. Uh, came from Twitter with some new title art of The Mandalorian himself and the child. And the words, this is the day. New episodes start streaming October 30th. And uh, let's see. The last episode was on December 27th, which feels like a lifetime ago. Doesn't it? I mean, it was another lifetime. That was pre-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but the last person we saw was uh, Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon um, as he's cutting out of the... Uh, the uh the tie interceptor with the dark saber which i know i'm i'm spoiling it but if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the mandalorian what are you doing i don't give a shit about spoiling it for you you just go watch it it's one of the best things ever i've said this before and i may have said this on the show but i know i've told you this off air this to me was the best star wars property since return of the jedi yeah and Absolutely. to me, it's not even close. This show is so damn good. Mm, I can't from wait. The very beginning, <laughs> like I love that shot from the very beginning when Mando walks into that bar, mm-hmm. and it's like you're straight out of a western. Yeah, just thinking about it makes me want to go watch it right now. I'm gonna watch the whole series again before this premieres. And th- this is yeah. one that if this is available, like for me to watch before I have to go into work that day, I will wake up early to watch it. Like, that's how much I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I almost bought a Baby Yoda, um, uh, the child, in uh, Best Buy the other day. They had them, the little, the, like, life-size ones. They were really nice for, like, the hard plastic, you know, heads and everything. It was, like, 20 bucks. I was like, uh, I want it so bad, but I can't, just can't justify dropping 20 bucks on this for no reason. Does it do the magic hand thing? Well, it's got the little hands. You could put his hands up and do the magic hands. <laughs> Baby, do the magic hands. <laughs> this is going to just show my maturity on my part, but anytime I see one of those in a store, especially if I'm with somebody, I'll pick it up, and then I'll grab its hand, and I'll just make it do the magic hand thing. Oh, and Mix- like- Mixmaster said that uh, uh, Supernatural has resumed filming. Awesome. I still got to get caught up. I'm still like half a season behind at this point. It is nuts how like long that show has been going was it like Absolutely 15 insane. seasons <laughs> mm-hmm. jensen ackles i remember he was on the early seasons of smallville and when his character was killed off <coughs> was when they started supernatural oh and yeah it's been going ever since thing is i think uh supernatural started in what like 2004 2005 i was still on the road with fall as well when that show was started and that feels that's like crazy. like a different life ago, and that's yeah. when that show started. I I was on the road with the band at that point. I was I would have either been graduating or I just graduated high school when that show started. And Mixmaster, um, yeah, they completed filming of Mandalorian before uh, the COVID pandemic, so all they had to do was post work, which and, and, you know, was. You have you good. seen the um the technology that they use uh 
um, for like, it's not green screen. It's like not rear projection, but it's like that. It's like they're in a bubble, but it's like, there's a a technical name for it, but I can't remember because they talk about it in the gallery. Mm hmm on Disney Plus, which I recommend anybody watch if you're a fan of The Mandalorian. It's so cool. Ah, that show's so good. I can't wait. That that is going to change the way that filmmaking is done. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I it just I, I would have never known that that wasn't like green screen. Like the thing it was is I know when we were, when you're watching the show it's like this feels like a real environment. This doesn't feel like green screen. And it's just the way they light everything and just, uh, it's so cool and crazy. Like, John Favreau just, man, he saved Star Wars. Give that dude the the brass ring, man. Let him run everything. Well, I know they're going to be using that same technology with the Obi-Wan series, which mm. hopefully will be starting soon. I hope so. That's one... I get why they want to take their time with it, because the expectations for that series is going to be through the roof. Yeah, <laughs> they got a large hill to climb after The Mandalorian. Well, and I think even season two of Mandalorian is going to have high expectations, yeah. you know, because no one really knew what to think with Mandalorian when it was, you know, up leading up to its release. Yeah. And then it ended up being the, the huge hit that it has been. Um, uh, Mix Master said he thinks of him as the dude from Swingers. I love Swingers. That was when I first saw John Favreau, and I love the movie Made too. Have you, have you ever seen Made? It was the movie mm-hmm. that he and uh, Vince Vaughn did right after Swingers. It's great. If you guys have never seen Made, go watch that. If you love Swingers, you'll love Made. It's crazy to think that he went from being an out of work actor to yeah. to me one of the <laughs> like one of the premier filmmakers in the industry not only he like he started off as an independent filmmaker like like couldn't get a job as an actor anywhere and now he like basically started the entire mcu and now he's saved star wars like the dude is just he's won like that dude just won everything yeah (laughs) absolutely give that dude everything yeah, no, and, and I think, you know, that's that's the route that Star Wars needs to go mm-hmm. in the short term is the the 10 to 12 episode series just because there's so much that you can do in that universe. Yeah. Oh, I wish they would do like a 12-episode season. I need more. I need more episodes every season. You're going to see the Disney Plus subscriptions skyrocket <laughs> yeah. again when that show comes out. Oh, yeah. Well, it is I time. Wait. I got to see what happens to Baby Yoda. Oh, I know. He looks like, and did you see the uh, photos where they said it looks like he's growing because he's actually mm-hmm. taller this season? Mm-hmm. That's going to be cool. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, well, let's move into this month in video game history. In September of 1981, Namco releases Galaga, the sequel to Galaxian, which becomes more popular than the original. Love me some Galaga. I we have the uh, the big, huge Galaga machine at the uh, the local arcade here, the uh, Margaritaville. I love playing that mm-hmm. big Galaga machine. I haven't seen a big Galaga one. I see the big Space Invaders ones a lot. Mm-hmm. Like any hotel or bar that I go to that has some type of an arcade. All have Space Invaders, but Galaga, 
I mean, Galaga's up there with the most iconic video uh, arcade games of all time. Yeah, they have the uh, the they have Galaga. They have they have the Space Invaders, and they also have the the world's largest Pac Man machine. I've still got to come down and see that. Yeah, whenever things open back up. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We will get there. On September 24th of 1982, Namco releases Pulp Position, one of the first games with stereophonic and quadraphonic sound. Featuring a pseudo-3D third-person rear-view perspective, it becomes the most popular racing game of its time. I love me some Pulp Position. I used to play that in the arcade when I was a little kid. I think I even I... had that for uh, Atari, too. Was this game featured in The Wizard? No, I don't think so. No, that was, um, I think that was RC Pro-Am that was in The Wizard. Uh, but I, I do I do recognize screenshots. No, The Wizard was Rad Racer. Oh, it was Rad Racer? Yeah. Oh, okay. I remember having a racing game for the Atari, and I thought it was Pole Position, but it's not not the arcade version of Pole Position. Or it might have been called something else. I don't remember. But yeah, I did play pole position in the arcade. Unfortunately, I've never played it. Uh, Joey Image says Atari, yes. Was it like, I remember it being a top-down view, and you just had one straight track, and you all you had to do was go up and down and try to like um, miss oil slicks and other cars and stuff like that. So if that's the pole position I'm thinking of, that was, what a crap port that was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, September 26th of 1986, Konami releases uh, Akamoto. Why do I always have to pronounce the Japanese stuff in, in video game history? Can I just say uh, Japanese word Dracula for the Famicom? Cause, dude, there's all kind of like stuff on the Akam, Akam, Akumajo, Majo? Dracula for the Famicom disc system, otherwise known in America as Castlevania. I don't want to say that was by design, but <laughs> dot, dot, dot. No, I love Castlevania. But if it was called Akumajo Dracula, I probably wouldn't have played it as much. Playing that fancy Dracula game for the NES. <laughs> oh man! Well, another one that is uh, iconic game for the NES on September fourteenth of nineteen eighty nine. Capcom releases DuckTales for the NES based on the Disney animated TV series of the same name. One of the first games reviewed on the show. Oh, yeah. One of the top ten best games for the Nintendo. I, I really liked uh, playing the remastered version I never on the played Xbox it. 360 back in the day. I, it's good. I wish they would redo it. This seems like ready-made for the Switch or, you know, to just... Like that seems like the perfect game to put to re-release it on the Switch. Like, why not? Give it to me. I'd buy it. I you don't want my money, Capcom. Why? That's crazy to think. Why is this game not on the Switch? I don't know. It that's a no-brainer. I I have no idea. Uh, on September 9th of 1995, Rayman is released for the PlayStation. I didn't know Rayman was that old. I thought that came around in like PlayStation Two era. It was actually a launch title for the PlayStation because the PlayStation 1 launched on the same day. I didn't even know what the launch title for the PlayStation was. I thought it was like Twisted Metal or something. 
I don't even know if Crash Bandicoot was a launch title for the I PlayStation. I just happened to notice that, you know, when I was combining these together, I was like, huh. I didn't know Rayman was a launch title. Huh. That probably but, yeah, just I'm with you. I thought Rayman was, you know, might have been like a PlayStation 2 era yeah. for the first game, but. I just had, like, I, Twisted Metal is just, like, tied to PlayStation for me because I think that was one of the first, probably the very first game I ever played for the PlayStation. I just I always think of Sweet Tooth. Yeah, I always play Twisted Sweet Tooth. Metal. <laughs> I bet if we go back now and play that, I haven't played that game in probably twenty two years at least. Two over two decades since I've played Twisted Metal. I used to think it looked so good. I bet if we go back now, it just looks like absolute garbage. Just a you should just a garbage pile of po- polygonal like just a mess of polygons. You should review it at some point. No, <laughs> I'd rather leave my <laughs> memories of playing Twisted Metal with my buddy all night long, right where they are, because I know that that era of gaming is just. I think we should just leave it alone. <laughs> that's that's very fair. On September twelfth of nineteen ninety eight, Pokemon Yellow is released for the Game Boy in Japan. This was the. It was essentially like started the third version of generational Pokemon games. So in every generation of Pokemon games, so like Gen 1, it started as red and blue. Mm. And then yellow came out because it adapted elements from the anime, which was really popular. So you had Pikachu as your starter Pokemon, and he would follow you around. Because in the show, Pikachu didn't like to be inside the Pokeball. Mm. And it would incorporate you know a couple of more characters from the show. It's essentially the same game. Just characters are redesigned a little bit to reflect the show, which I thought was cool. But that started that trend of, you know, every generation of Pokemon where you'd release the two games that had exclusive versions, you'd have the third one later on. But Pokemon Yellow is still my favorite all-time Pokemon game ever. Did you see uh, that there was a guy that had a uh, graded, it was like a 9.5 Pokemon Red uh, card? And traded it straight up for a Nintendo World Championship uh, gray cart, I think. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, did not know that. That's easily like a $70,000 video game and just traded a Pokemon card for it. Like, why can't I find something in my collection that's worth $70,000? <laughs> like, why? I'm pretty sure I would break out in sweats making that <laughs> trade. I would, too. I'd be like, Ugh. Like, I break out in a sweat buying a new car, <laughs> like, much less, like, and I've never bought a car worth more than 20 grand, you know? So, I don't know. That, yeah. Oof, that would, yeah, I'd be I'd be the same way. I'd be, my palms would be sweaty, mom's spaghetti. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, next to last one, September 9th of 1999, the Dreamcast is launched in North America, with 19 launch titles. Um, uh, Joey, didn't you get a uh, complete inbox Dreamcast not too long ago? I think I uh, tweeted it out, your uh, YouTube video, because Joey had got sent a brand new, complete in the box Dreamcast. Like, never opened. (laughs) Like, like it might have been opened, but it still had, like, everything was in there. Like, some brand new games that had never been opened for it. 
Yeah, it was still factory sealed, and he opened it on the video. Never been opened. Like, why can't somebody send me some stuff like that? <laughs> but I right? can't complain. I got I got my Super Mario Brother three little uh, van up here on the wall that Joey sent me. <laughs> yeah. And to close us out for this month in video game history, on September 20th of 2000, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is released for the PlayStation, which I believe Pro Skater 1 and 2 are being remastered. I know. I can't wait. I love Tony Hawk games. I love the soundtrack to those games. That's, like, perfect for, like, my teenage years Mm. when that game came out. Oh, yeah. 1 and 2. Oh, and if you want to go see that video of him opening up that uh, that Dreamcast box, go to Joey Image TV on YouTube and give that uh, at, that video a watch. It's really cool just to watch him open up something that's you know twenty two years old, twenty years old, and has never been opened. Like that's so rare. Like mm-hmm. especially with video game stuff. Like man, that would that must have been like I would. It, he did the one thing that I do. I wish he'd have done, like, when you first open, like, electronic stuff. Do you like to just take a big whiff like I do? I do. Yeah, something about that chemical smell is just like... mm. That new console smell. Yes. (laughs) Oh, he did do that in a video. I forgot. (laughs) So I love that smell. So go check that video out, Joey Image TV. And uh, it was a a great video. And... um, but yeah, I think uh, before we go into the uh, review for tonight, Derek has some shout-outs. Yeah, so as always, we like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, and Randy Bailey. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us, keeping the Nerd Cave Retro afloat. And because we're at the $50 level still, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks like Street Fighter, mm-hmm. like Double Dragon. The movie wasn't great, but the commentary was fun. <laughs> uh, we've got some cool ones lined up over the next couple of months. I think we're going to do Mortal Kombat fairly mm-hmm. soon. Uh, we're going to do Mask of the Phantasm, which I'm really excited to do. And mm-hmm. you know, any other ones that you guys would like us to do, just send them our way, and if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And Derek's going to be talking about... If that's not MIDI music, I don't yeah. know what is. <laughs> I love it. You, you ever notice Game Boy has a very distinct sound? And I know it's mm-hmm. probably because it was a handheld made in 1989, but you listen to a track and you can tell more than likely that it's from a Game Boy game. You know, the weird thing is that it actually had a more advanced sound chip than the, uh, the NES had. That's why a lot of people use the, uh, the Game Boy now for doing, um, you know, what do they call it? Bit. Um, I don't know what they call it. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I, I'm blanking on the term. Yeah. Um, like bit. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> bit composing. 
like bit music. <laughs> For a split second, I thought you were going to say Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin, like, bit composing, something like that. Yeah. They make music with the Game Boy using the, yeah. the noises. There we yes. go. <laughs> so tonight I'm going to be reviewing, to me, what I think is one of the more underrated platform games for the Game Boy, and that is Wario Land, a.k.a. Super Mario Land 3. It is a platform game developed by Nintendo for the Game Boy in 1994. It's the first game to feature Wario as both a playable character and the main character, as well as the first appearance of Captain Syrup and her brown sugar pirates, who are recurring villains in the Wario Land series. That sounds delicious. I know, right? <laughs> Before the end of the show, remind me to tell my Waffle House story. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Wario Land, you know, I reviewed uh, Mario Land 2 a while back, and that's a fun game all in itself, but the main thing that came from that was the appearance of Wario, because we had never seen almost like an, not necessarily an evil twin, but an evil doppelganger of sorts for Mario. And his popularity really took off, you know, I, and I was one of those people. I always thought Wario was a really cool character. Mm. So I was excited, when, and I want to say I read it in Nintendo Power that this game was coming out and it was going to feature Wario. So I thought to myself, this game's obviously going to be good because this is, you know, the heyday of Nintendo when they're firing on all cylinders with platformers and it seems like they can't screw anything up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So this game was released specifically in North America in March of 1994. I don't remember if I got this game immediately when it came out, but I got it fairly soon after. And it's, to me, probably the most fun of the Mario Land trilogy, which is ironic because it doesn't feature Mario. Hmm. But So essentially how it works is Wario... Um, you collect treasure, which is a recurring theme uh, in Wario games. Wario, yeah, he's the hero in this game, but he's also very greedy and he wants money. It takes place right after Mario Land 2. He's been kicked out of Mario's castle and he wants to get a castle of his own. So he goes to um, this island, which is named, uh, let me see if I can find, oh, Kitchen Island. The cool thing is all the areas you go to are themed after food or kitchen-related items, hmm. which is it adds kind of a fun element to the game. Mm -hmm. So essentially what you do is you go through each world, and what you're trying to find at the end of the game is this giant golden statue of Princess Peach that was stolen from the Mushroom Kingdom. So Wario wants to find the statue and basically sell it you know, to get as much money as he can. But as you progress through the game, you find hidden treasure. And at the end of the game, it essentially counts your total um, of, like, treasure you've collected, amount of coins you've collected, because each treasure item is worth a certain amount of coins. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much money you have is what you get at the end of the game. So if you have next to nothing, I think you get, like, a birdhouse <laughs> that has Wario's emblem on it. But you get anywhere between um, a birdhouse, a normal house, um, a palace, a castle. But the ultimate thing that you can get, and I actually didn't know this until I was doing more research for the game. If you max out the amount of money you get, you get a planet. 
<laughs> That's cool. Which I think with, with Wario's face on it, and I think that is hilarious. <laughs> says here, even the least valuable treasure is worth roughly as much at, uh, coins as the player would normally acquire over the entire game. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact number of treasure items that you can get, but it's a it's a fairly decent amount. Uh, and it is some you know you have to return to earlier levels after you do something that affects something you know that happens earlier in the game. You go back and go through various levels that might be filled with water or might have water drained, where you can go back and find hidden treasure items that you couldn't before. So that's the main objective of the game, and it's it works just like a standard Mario game. You know, you jump, you have different power-ups. You actually get uh, three different hats that you wear throughout the game. So Wario's basic attack is he has a shoulder charge and can also jump and, you know, like jump on enemies like you do in really any Mario game. Mm. But whenever you jump on an enemy, unless you do a... Um, I mean, I'm just going to call it what it is. It's a butt stomp. <laughs> you you just stun your enemies. You don't defeat them because hmm. you have to do the shoulder charge in order to beat them. Yeah. So your three hats that you get, you have the bull helmet, which increases your strength, and also it doubles the length of distance you cover doing your shoulder charge attack. You can also smash through blocks more easily. So most... If you have your standard hat, it takes, you know, two hits with the shoulder charge to break a block. With the blue or the bull helmet is only one. You also get the jet helmet, which allows you to glide, and you can also use it underwater, which is really cool because you can't do any attacks while you're underwater, but if you have the jet helmet, you can do the shoulder charge while you're underwater. That's cool. Rampage then you says, have, is there a cow launcher? If not, he doesn't know if he's interested. <laughs> unfortunately, that's restricted to just South Park. Oh. <laughs> but um, the third helmet is the dragon helmet, which essentially shoots fire. It negates your shoulder charge like you can't do it whenever you have the dragon helmet. But the flames last, I think, like five to seven seconds. So you, you can still use it and be fairly effective. You, you go through your various worlds. There's a boss at the end of every world. I think there's at least six or seven sub-worlds to every area that you're at. Then you fight a boss, and you progress throughout the game. So how long is this game? Because I know the Mario Land games are notoriously short. It's slightly longer than Mario Land 2. Okay. If I remember correctly, like it, I couldn't tell you like an estimated amount of hours that it takes to complete the game, but you can spend a good couple of days on okay. this game. But um, a, a cool little thing, and this is a slight spoiler, but the game's you know almost thirty years old at this point. <laughs> at the end of the game, you fight Captain Syrup, and she has a genie that you have to fight as well. And once you beat her you gain control of the genie, and the genie's the one who ultimately gives you whatever your prize is at the end of the game. Because you give him whatever money you've collected, and he uses that to create your house or your castle or whatever the case may be. At the end of the game, you, you, know, you beat Captain Syrup, you find the giant golden statue, 
And sure enough, Mario flies in from out of nowhere, attaches the statue to his helicopter, <laughs> waves at Wario, and flies away. And you're just like, son of a biscuit. <laughs> just to be I a did dick. All... <laughs> I know. I'm like, Mario's the real villain of this game. Yeah. But all in all, like, this game is pretty straightforward. Like, there's not a ton of detail that I can say about it other than it's a really, really fun platforming game. I like all three of the Mario Land games. The first one is, you know, like, how do I say this? Is I won't say it's graphically inferior, but it's way different than two and three. Yeah. Well, that's Think what of you it said as like you... the Mario Brothers one and comparing it to yeah. two and three. Well, that's what you were saying when you played, uh, when you reviewed Six Golden Coins. You were saying how much of a graphical leap it was. And even I remember looking at the pictures and I was like, whoa, this game is way more advanced than Super Mario Land. Like, because mm-hmm. it actually had the, the sprite of Mario from like, you know, the, what was it, the... Almost like the uh, the Super Mario. Almost like World. the Mario Brothers three. Yeah, Mario Brothers three sprite. I was like, wow, this looks so much better than the first one. The first one's really kind of bare bones. Or at least the, and it's the not screenshots that... that I saw were. And it's not that long either. And I remember you talking about this when I reviewed Mario Land one. I could not beat that game as a mm. kid. I beat two and three, but I could never beat one. And then I went back and downloaded all three of them on the 3DS uh, virtual console because Mixmaster mentions, I don't believe this is on the eShop. It is not. It is on the uh, 3DS. Mm -hmm. If it's still active, you can get it from there. That's where I got it. That's where I've got uh, Mario Land 1 and 2 as well. Yeah, I'm not even sure if the 3DS eShop is even open anymore. That that's what I'm saying is that if it's still open, I'd recommend getting all three, to be honest. But if you're only gonna get one, I would get this one. I do really like the second one because it, it's I don't know, it's one of those little hidden gems of Mario that I feel like nobody really talks about. Yeah. And same thing with you know, this game as well. I mean, this also launched a Wario Land series, which I believe there were three of those as well that that were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But it it has that Mario formula where it's still a platformer as your ultimate objective, but it adds enough new elements to it, like the fact that, yeah, you can jump, but that's not necessarily how you beat your enemies. It's not like jumping on a Goomba yeah. and he's dead. You know, you have to do a little bit more legwork. And the treasure element, to me, adds a lot to it. It adds replayability because you can you can just skim through the game if you want. Because it's kind of funny to see just, like, how little you get if you don't collect all the treasure. <laughs> yeah. But then it also motivates you to go through each level and find the various, you know, treasure chests. Because what you essentially do is you find hidden rooms that you have to have a key for. Because mm-hmm. you'll if you find a key, you know that that world has a treasure chest in it. Sounds a lot like Goblin Sword. A little bit, yeah. Minus the sword. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's still it's it's as fun. Like I, I would highly recommend this game. Like I said, it's to me pretty easily my favorite of the Mario Land trilogy. It's the one that I've played the most. 
you know, two is a lot of fun. I think one is good for what it is, but this has enough detail where you can go back and keep playing and try to do more. And, you know, even try and go through, because what I used to do is I would just go through the the game the first time and just try and unlock everything. Because there are hidden worlds that, you know, like each world has, not each world, but some worlds have multiple paths or hidden paths mm-hmm. that lead to other levels that you go through. So it's trying to find those, and then I'll beat the game, and then I'll go back and try and find all the treasure. Yeah, Axeblade just put up the link to the eShop. Apparently it's still there. Um, so if you have a 3DS and you want to play this, um, it is still open in the eShop. Um, and if you're in the chat room and you want to get this, just click on that link. And it'll take you right to it. Yeah, Mixmaster says he's going to get it. Yeah. I think you'll like it. See, it's, I agree with Axeblade, I, like what he just put in there. Man, I wish Switch would get a virtual console feature like the Wii 3DS and Wii U. Why they haven't done it is still one of the biggest mysteries to me right now. I'm just like, why? It's We're three years into this uh, console at this point, and you guys still haven't put a good eShop up there for all this retro stuff. It boggles my mind, man. I agree. The Wii was easily the best virtual console that Mm -hmm. Nintendo's ever done. The interface was super simple, Mm -hmm. and it actually had a great amount of content on Mm -hmm. it. Yep. So I I don't know. I mean, honestly, you know, if they had the eShop on the Switch and this was, I don't know, 99 cents a... Yeah, I'm going to drop 99 cents on this. Why wouldn't I? Oh, for sure. I don't know why they won't do it. I don't know. They I, I, they hate I, money I, for I, some reason. <laughs> I, guess, I think because they have all the money already, they don't care. Yep. Yeah, I wish I still yeah, had I, my Wii, but I lost it in the the, the divorce. <laughs> so oh, I really? don't have my Wii stuff anymore. Yeah. Well, as far as the reception of this game goes, uh, Game Informer's Ben Reeves called it the 13th best Game Boy game and called it the most successful spinoff from the Mario series. GamePro named it the best Game Boy game at the 1994 Consumer Electronics Show, praising the new power-ups and the multiple endings. In their latest review, they deemed the game faster, more challenging, and more fun than its handheld predecessors. They particularly commented that the backgrounds were not as cluttered as in the previous games, making the action easier to follow. Mm. That's one thing I'll say, too, is that it's a very, like, the sprites look good for a Game Boy, but the backgrounds are very, not necessarily bare bones. I call it, like, a very clean type of look, so you're not, like, distracted by the backgrounds. Mm. Not as detailed as Mario Land 2, but I... Uh-oh, I think we had uh, uh, a bump in the road here. Let me switch us over to Central. See what happens. Sorry, everybody. We had a glitch in, um, in Discord. Oh, come on, Discord. Oh, calling Derek back. Oh, I'm going to pause real quick. And we're back. Sorry about that. Had a glitch in the matrix. I took the red pill. (laughs) I take the blue pill. And you stay in Wonderland. I stay in Wonderland, and this steak tastes juicy, and the matrix is telling my brain that this is turkey jerky. 
<laughs> like you said in the Matrix, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. But no, sorry about that little uh, hiccup that my internet had. But um, no, I was just talking about the reception that Wario Land got. It was basically regarded as one of the best Game Boy games ever. And I would absolutely echo that sentiment. To me, it's probably top five best Game Boy game ever made, in my opinion. It's up there with Link's Awakening. Um, I would put probably Metroid 2 up there as well. I really like that game as well. I would give this game, I'd say, a solid eight and a half. That's not bad for a Game Boy what I would give this game. Yeah. As I mentioned, it's the best of the Mario Land trilogy, and it's cool because it sparked a whole new spinoff series from Mario because it you know, there were multiple Wario Land games after this. There was also the WarioWare uh, micro game series, and all of that resulted from this game. So when did this come out? Ninety four. Ninety four. Okay. Because when did Virtual Boy come out? Like ninety. Let me check that real quick. Virtual Boy. Not too long after that, because there was a Virtual Boy Wario Land game. Yeah, I was going to say they had that Wario game. Uh, it was released. It that was came a year out later. in 95. 95. So, yeah. I didn't know which one came first. I didn't know if it was the Game Boy game or the Virtual Boy game. No, it was it was the Game Boy. Because then there was, also, there was also three more Wario Land games after that. And then Wario Land Shake It, which I never played. Hmm. But then you have the WarioWare Inc. series, which those games are a lot of fun, too. There's just these collections of, like, really quick games that you have, like, five seconds to complete mm. that star Wario and several other characters that are introduced in that series. So That's cool. It's, um... Yeah, Wario has had a, um... A pretty good run as a, as a video game character. Yeah, he's 26 years old at this point. I mean, and yeah, he's... And isn't he in Smash Brothers? Yeah, he's got to be in mm-hmm. Smash Brothers. Yep. Yeah, he was introduced in Smash Brothers Brawl. For yeah, the I was going to say, he's probably been in there a while. Yeah, so Wario, like, not a lot of people really talk about Wario, but he's he's had some pretty decent staying power when it comes to a video game character. Seems like he's due for a, for a comeback. Man, yeah. if you were to make some type of, like, a 3D Wario platformer, mm-hmm. I'd I'd play it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I would, too. Wario Land 3D. Make yeah. it happen, Nintendo. Yeah, come on, Nintendo. Metroid first. Concentrate on Metroid. Get Metroid. You know, give us Metroid. Then you bring out the the Wario. Because, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, first, you got to give us the Mario 35th anniversary, whatever you're going to do there. Give us Metroid, and then you can give us Wario. and, and we'll Which be, I heard and, might be delayed until next year. Uh, <laughs> and Breath of the Wild, too. Get, go ahead and, you can go ahead and give me Breath of the Wild. I'm ready. I want that game to come out, but I don't, because I know whenever it does, <laughs> I'm just going to spend so much time playing it. Well, I hope it when it does come out, it's a Christmas release. That way I can spend my Christmas vacation like I did last time. That's why. That's how I put so many hours into... Breath of the Wild because I, I got my Nintendo Switch. I, it was a Christmas present to myself, and I bought mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. And of course, I get two weeks off for Christmas, so that's all I did for two straight weeks was play Breath of the Wild from morning to night. What I'm likely going to do, like if that game doesn't come out during baseball season, I'm going to probably take 
at least two to three days off of work, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Nintendo. That's <laughs> mix master. <laughs> come they on, Nintendo. They don't like our money, man. I don't know what the hell. Dude, I haven't been in Animal Crossing. Because uh, yeah, Rampage says uh, you need to get Animal Crossing because he has a toy wrestler waiting for you. I have a couple of those around my little my little house. Rampage is going to talk me into getting it. Yeah, I even I built. How, a, how do I turn down a gift? I built a wrestling arena on my island. Was it you or Wally that that sent that video? Uh, it was Wally because I I okay. built mine. And then I was going to have people come to my island and, and just check it out, and then I stopped playing, and that was like a month ago. I haven't been on, on in Animal Crossing for like a month. I had to just step away for a moment because that game was sucking my life away. So many turnips waiting for you. Yeah. That, dude, I got mad, too, with the last time I got turnips because I bought turnips. Well, there was a week that I missed it because I woke up late, and turnips on my island for one of those days were like 500 and something dollars per turnip. I'm like, damn it. So I bought turnips the next week. It was like below what I paid for them. I was like, this sucks. So I ended up like having rotten turnips by Sunday. And then I saw I bought some, and then no, that week I was like, well, I'm not doing turnips anymore. Then like a day later, my turnips went back up to like 600 bucks. I'm like, screw this turnip shit. <laughs> I didn't know the turnip game was so like cutthroat. Yeah, man, it's like a it's like playing the stock market, and that's what it is in the game. They call it the turnip market. Sounds like a surefire way to get your Animal Crossing character killed. Yeah, <laughs> there's going to be some type of scandal. Yeah, <laughs> dude, if I could if I could do any type of computer animation, and I wouldn't get sued, I would totally make a gangster film set in the Animal Crossing universe. Oh, that'd be cool. And have it be, like, the catalyst would be some type of, like, a turn-up catastrophe. Mixmaster says he's never played an Animal Crossing game. Well, I can say I never did either and never got the appeal of it. It always just seemed too cutesy for me until I got it for the Switch. The only reason I got it was because everybody was talking about it and we were in the middle of quarantine, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and get this game, see what all the hype is. And it sucked me in like like crack, and I couldn't stop playing it. And then like four months go by, and I'm just like, yep, I got to stop playing this damn game. Rampage asks, have you guys seen that video of Africa by Toto? Yes, I've Toto? seen that video. <laughs> I have not. Yeah, because in the game, you can actually... Uh, um, well, I there's this little uh, guy, KK Slider. He's a little dog that comes in and plays music. He's like the pop star of the Animal yeah. Crossing world. And then on your island, you can actually uh, like do a tune to for your uh, you know your island or whatever. And you could easily like if once you learn the notes, you could make pretty much any song you want in there. And be like your island tune. So, a lot of people go in there and make songs and stuff. And they, because KK Slider, he's like, I don't know if you've ever heard the um, the language used in in Animal Crossing, but he doesn't say words. He sings, but he's like, and they just do that kind of stuff and make him sing like Africa and like all kind of different songs. It's pretty cool, actually. 
I'll have to check that out. Don't get sucked in, Derek. Don't get sucked in. <laughs> I know, like that's the reason why, like I kind of don't want to play it because I know when I do, like I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very addictive personality when it comes to games. That's why mm-hmm. I'm so selective with like the new games that I play. It's yeah. pretty much restricted to like Zelda and Smash Brothers. And it's just it's one of those games that's like it's so relaxing because there's no like game to it. It's just it's like chores the video game like I've said before where you just go on there and you clean up your island and you talk to your people and you you know you you plant your trees and your flowers and you know you go, go harvest all your stuff and you sell things and you collect shells and like you dig up uh fossils and you fill up your museum with all these you know giant dinosaur you know skeletons and like it's just one of those things like it just you just like oh, I can't stop playing this damn game, and it's not even a game. Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> Rampage says Jess. Uh, Jess wants me to repeat my KK Slider impersonation. It, all it is is like. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm gonna have to cut that out of the, <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Uh, I think that should be the new uh, sound clip you play at the end of each episode. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get <laughs> out of here. This is the end of the show. Um, before we go, uh, anything else you would like to throw out there? How's the Derek Diamond experience doing? Yeah, so I've got a new episode coming out. Well, actually, it'll be out when you guys hear this on the download. Uh, new episodes come out every Thursday on all podcasting platforms. You can follow me on social media at D Diamond Podcast. One cool thing that I got to do, I believe it was last week, it might have been the week before, I don't know, the days all kind of blend together at this point. So there's a new podcast that's based here in Pensacola called Fantastic People, mm-hmm. where they interview people based on their fandoms of certain things. And I was a guest on their show, and my interview will be released uh, this week. So if you want to hear me talk about podcasting and I got to actually tell a little bit of like my, I don't want to call it my life story, but a little bit of my background and everything and like why I started podcasting. And, you know, I talked about us starting this show and starting my show and various things like that. So I just searched for fantastic people. That's on all podcasting platforms too. I believe that episode will be out this upcoming Friday. Okay. So definitely check that out. And then um, got some cool things, as I mentioned earlier, planned for my show, including some horror-themed shows in October. Um, going to be doing uh, some other roundtables you know, in the coming hmm. weeks. So I should, know be, uh, should be some fun times. <laughs> um, tomorrow on Open Micers, which you can join us right here on my Twitch channel at 7 p.m. Central, um, we are going to have on Jared Seymour, who is not only the singer uh, in my band Falls from Grace, but he's got two great podcasts. Um, one that's called Brownwater Banter, which um, is basically like um, covers all kind of like businesses and basically life on the Gulf Coast. Um, and he has another one called The Sound, which um, plays music from all kind of unsigned bands from you know the southeastern region, and they have some great shows they they've put on concerts um which were getting pretty big before covid hit we would have had a whole summer full of concerts if it wasn't for freaking disease 
And um, but go check out the sound. Um, I think it's the sound two two eight dot com and also uh, Brownwater Banter Podcast. And go check those shows out. And uh, he's going to be on tomorrow night at seven p.m. And uh, go check out not only our Patreon here for this show. If you like this show, Derek's got his Patreon now for his for the Derek Diamond Experience. What's the address for that one? Patreon.com slash Podcast. And then also we have one for the Open Micers, which is uh, Patreon.com slash OMPodcast. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, if you want to join our Discord community, um, just go check out our uh, Twitter uh, and Facebook. And we will, um, I, if we can remember, we're going to at least once or, twi- uh, once or every day or so, um, we're going to we'll put that link up there. For the uh, the Nerd Cave Retro Discord, where you can hang out with all us cool people like Rampage and Mixmaster and Axeblade and Bethany Fox and everybody else that hangs out in our Discord, and it's one of the greatest social networks I've ever been a part of because nobody's a dick, <laughs> and I love being in there. Um, but yeah, uh, that's about it. You know, is there anything else we need to do before we leave? No, I think that's it's been it. It's been two weeks. I'm trying to end the show, and I can't forget. I forgot how. <laughs> All right, let me get our music here before I embarrass myself <laughs> any further. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter uh, at nerdcaveretro. Also individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're at Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, our Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Where if you throw us a couple bucks a month, we can keep above that $50 level. Not only to pay the dues for this show, because it's not free for us. It's free for you. It's not free for us. So help us keep the lights on and keep us above that $50 level where we do the commentary tracks every month. And the next one we got coming up is Mortal Kombat um, for this month. And Derek, um, oh, one more thing. Leave a review if you can't leave us a buck a month. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. This is the way. Yes. Spoken.